Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You remember all that. It's amazing, Chuck. Thank you so much. You guys are looking awesome. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look really good today. And say, I can't lie, I'm in church. (laughs) Today we have a very special guest, Dr. Rick Van Hoos is with us today from Evansville, Indiana, from uh, the Cathedral Bible Church. And so we're thankful that he's here with us. And uh, if you'd like to take a little bit of uh, his uh, wisdom and knowledge home and humor, he has a couple of books out there, and he has a, uh, a uh, DVD where he filmed it at the church with the kids, and he might tell you a little bit uh, later about it, but it is a purely humor-type DVD, so if you're wanting deep theology, this is probably not the one you get. But if you, if you need to know that laughter is a good medicine, you might want to get this one. Um, Brother Rick and I have been friends for a long time. We, we jokingly said earlier, a friend of mine says we've known each other since the Civil War, and uh, I don't know how accurate that is. But anyway, he has a great church there. His uh, daughter and son-in-law now pastor that, uh, Julie and James. And Julie has done our uh, women's conference for the last couple of years and always does us a good job. And uh, Brother Rick is now pastor emeritus there. Would you give him a big hand as he comes to Ray of Hope and ministers the Word of God for us? Amen. Today. Praise God. I got my stick here, so I'm good. I get my left knee working, I'll be really good. Thank you, Mike and Carrie. I honor both of you and pastors of this church and to all of you. It's good to see you again. I tried to be here the last two years, and I had surgery on the same day, May the 4th. And so this year, Tuesday, I'm going to Israel. So I thought I'd get you guys in early. In case that happened again, God love you. You may be seated. So good to see many of you here today, and the Lord love you and, and keep you. I, I made that uh, DVD for kids, funny things for kids. And uh, I'm going to slide this down for a second. And uh, I had them bring uh, those little magic marker things where you raise up, you write something, and then you raise it up and it disappears. And so I told the stories, and they're all sitting down in the front, and I had them give me grades on um, how good the story was, one to ten. And so I told that one, I don't know if you remember or not, about the guy that I, uh, he's a sergeant in World War II, and he lost a leg, and he had a wooden leg, and he wanted me to, at lunch, in front of my dad, stab him in his wooden leg and be a joke on my dad. And I don't know, sitting across from him, I got confused. And I, I stabbed him in his good leg. And he went, oh, cool. And I, I thought, man, he's a great actor. So I wiggled it around a little bit. I said, yeah, how's that feel? You know, almost got arrested. So when I got through telling that story at, at length, my granddaughter was raising her hand, jumping. So I went over to my little granddaughter, Lindy. And, and I said, what grade are you going to give me on that? She goes, four. And it's on the tape. It's really funny. And, and I said, why? And she goes, that was gross. So you don't win everybody with uh, these stories. I'm Pentecostal, spirit-filled, 
my dad was one of the great founders across the country in Pentecost, and I'm so proud of him, A.D. Van Hoos, and my mother, Helen, and they just sang all across the country. And dad was saved under Frank J. Ewart, uh, who was one of the great uh, ministers at Azusa Street, so I have some great heritage. Uh, I've carried that along. I used to teach school, and then I was the owner of uh, WEVV, Channel 44 in Evansville, Indiana. Uh, it's still there. We sold it to CBS a good while ago. And so I've been in a lot of different things and seen a lot of aspects of life. But I tell you, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was when I was saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> redeemed, and my life changed. That's the great thing about Jesus. You don't have to stay the way you are. Sometimes when I'd talk to men, they'd come in for counseling, and I'd say, well, uh, are you going to tell me what everything happened and how everything is going to play out? And I go, I don't want to hear it, because your best thinking got you here. <laughs> so are you ready to listen now? <laughs> I grew up uh, most of the time with, in an apartment above the church. It was an old bakery that Dad had um, made into a church. It was a wonderful place. And, but, oh, that apartment was just the pits. And my brother, this was in the late 50s, my brother was in a football game at Central High School as a linebacker, and he broke his collarbone. Well, back then, all they could do for you, and I think it's about the same today, is just set it. There's not a lot they can do for you. They brought him home, and Mom wanted him in the bedroom that night with her and Dad, so they moved the bed over a little bit, or my dad did, put my brother in there, and the least little movement, he'd start crying. And he, he cried like this. <laughs> he had that low, kind of low voice. Well, I had, had polio. I was in that great epidemic they had. I was paralyzed from the neck down, spinal rigidity. When they bring me up my head, I'd come up all the way to my feet. And the second day, my dad came up and prayed for me. And I want you to know the Lord miraculously healed me. By that evening, I was out of bed and walking. Walking. They studied me all my life. In fact, a lady came to our table, my wife and I were sitting there, and she said, you know, Pastor Rick, I know you were in that polio epidemic. They have a, it's starting to hit us again as we get older, and people are having a lot of problems with her spine. Uh, with her spine, I want to give you a card that tells you when we meet. And she walked away, and my wife turned, started tearing up that card, and she goes, what God did has always been good for you, and I'm not going to send you no, no group of people that tell you and put that back on you. You're healed, and I'll get out, and let's go and eat our meal. I said, I'm all for that. Praise the Lord. But my brother had that. I was in the same room with them. I had bad dreams that I was paralyzed again. So they, uh, nightmares. So I was in that same room. And my mother, she puts the house to bed. How many ladies do that? You put the house to bed in the evening. My mom did that. She was a frail little tall girl, played the piano like crazy. And uh, she was up going real fast because she knew where everything was. So she didn't even turn on lights. I mean, she's just shooting through there, going here, doing this, that, locking this. Come back in, dad had moved that bed. <laughs> she forgot that and she careened her shin on the edge of that bed. Oh, she screamed, oh, I broke my leg, I broke my leg. Well, that scared my brother. He went, oh, 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 and I thought, I'm paralyzed, I'm paralyzed. What's happening? I mean, it struck my dad all at once because he was about half asleep, you know, and he tried to get up out of the bed, tumbled and fell back in the bed, and the bed slats broke. <laughs> Boom! 
And my mom, you got to get this picture. My mom is hopping on one leg, hollering, my leg's broke. My brother's, oh, I'm like, oh, Pharaoh, somebody help me. And my dad just got out of the bed, and I looked, and the dog was under the bed. And the bed had fallen on the dog, and his little tail looked like a, a, a ceiling fan. <laughs> it was just going really fast. And so dad kind of lifted the bed up a little bit, got the dog out, and he's real happy. He's running all around with my mom. They both look the same, jumping up and down, glad to be alive but their leg was broke and I'll never forget my dad stood in the middle of the room and he looked up and he said God don't let the ceiling fall in <laughs> how many have ever had a day like that where everything just <laughs> well let's go to Luke 8 and get away from there <laughs> I, I love this chapter Luke 8 it, it's so wonderful uh, there's so many great things I want to start at the back of 8 and just, just look at a few things that happened at the back it's about Jarius' daughter and he named her as a priest, he named her Talitha Kumai. Well, Kumai means little girl or eyes, but Talitha is the short or feminine way of saying Talit. Talit is the prayer shawl that the Jewish people wear the blue and white, put it over their head. It has 613 tassels on it, which stand for all the promises of God in the Old Testament. So when you see them at the Wailing Wall, by the way, I'm going to Israel Tuesday morning. Headed for Israel with 47 people and uh, be hosting that. But they have that uh, shawl and they hold those promises of God and they pull it over their head and, and they believe at that moment they're in the temple and they're talking to God. Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful. This is girl is named the little talent, rightfully so, by a minister in the temple. And she's dead and the Lord raised her back to life. You back up a little bit and you see a woman who pressed through the crowd and touches the hem of his garment. Are you aware of that story? And she's healed immediately. First, it's death that the Lord takes care of. Here, second, he's taking care of physical healing. You go back a little bit further in this chapter, and there's a man that meets him out of the tombs in verse 27, and he's got all these demons in him. And the Lord handles the spiritual, the spiritual, the physical, death. And then I'm going to come back to where I am today, here in the, where we're going today. Luke 8, where God handles, Jesus handles uh, nature. He handles nature. And we're going to title this this morning with Jesus in the boat. It's a big storm. It's a big storm. It's not a little small thing. Okay, let's go to the scripture and just read just a little bit there. And now it came to pass, verse 22, that on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, his closest friends, and he said unto them, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So, all right, they launch forth. Go to the next verse. But as they sailed, have you ever just sailed in life and things just start happening, you didn't expect it? Things just happen. They sailed, they came down a storm of wind on the lake. Some parts of the lake, it's a big crevice in that uh, earthquake fault that runs there. And some places, Sea of Galilee is 800 feet deep, and, and you can catch fish there, 23, 24, 25 pounds. Those weren't bluegills hitting the net in the other fish story that pulled the net under. Those were big fish. And here the, the storm comes on the lake. They were filled, this is the NIV, they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Wow. Then the big question occurs in the next verse. And they came to him. Now, who's going to awake Jesus? He's asleep. He's had a rough day. He's fed 5,000 people. And uh, he's over there, and who's going to do it? I can just imagine, can't you? It's not in there, but it's, I'm not going to do it. I am not waking up Jesus. And, uh, well, I'm not doing it either. 
Then maybe it was Judas. I don't know. Thomas probably said, I doubt he can be wicked. <laughs> Matthew said, let's count it and see how long it takes. You know, I mean, you, you can just see those different scenarios uh, coming out of the different lives of those particular people. And then finally, somebody, there's always somebody in your family who will go up and argue with everything. Mine is my, my uh, wife's sister, Karen. Oh, I just, sometimes I hate to go out to eat with her because there's something always wrong. And she goes, well, I'm just going to go up there. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to tell them this. Is, I'm paying for this and this is not right and this food's bad and I don't like it. And I want my money back. I said, Karen, just wait till we eat, okay? And then say that because if you go back and tell them now, we're going to be eating spit. <laughs> All right? That's what we're going to be eating. Just calm down. The other day we were riding uh, up to a store. She was helping me and some foreign people were crossing the street and she laid on the horn right behind them. I said, Karen, don't do that. She goes, well, if you're going to come to this country, they need to know when and how to walk. Just things like that. And it just, I go, Lord, forgive her. I know you're going straight to hell, Karen. I just know you are. <laughs> I said, do you, you have somebody like that in your family? Somebody goes down in that boat, maybe a Karen, goes down in there and says, Lord, King James is even better. It says, carest thou not that we perish? Don't you even care? Have you ever had, uh, my wife passed away December 6th, and, uh, and it's been a tough time for me. I was married to her for 51 years. We had a great life together. I miss her. But I'm happy for her today. I know where she is. She's not lost. People go, I, I, I'm so sorry to hear about your wife, how she's lost. I go, she's not lost. I know where she is. And uh, I'm glad I'm a Christian because there's hope when you stand at the grave. Amen? We might get to more of that later. I don't know. We'll see. But I, I look at the Lord. He's, don't you care? Well, of course he cares. Of course he does. He loves every one of us, and he wishes above all things that we may prosper and be in good health, even as our soul prospers. It's tied to our spiritual connection with him. Well, it's the great moment here, and the Lord raises up, and he wakes. He's not mad. He didn't say, well, who are you to wake me up? I finally get in a boat, I get alone, and you got to come down here. And you think the Lord didn't know a storm was coming? Come on. He knew the storm was coming. He's down there. If you really know the Lord, storms don't bother you that much. I guess that's a the point there. It doesn't work with me too well. I'll just tell you that right now. And he says, then he arose and he rebuked the wind. He didn't ask it. He rebuked it. Like we're supposed to rebuke the devil when he comes in. And the raging of the water. And they cease. And the King James says there was a great calm. I'm sure those waves, you know, everything has ears. Did you know that in the whole universe? Uh, the rocks will cry out if, if they find out that we're not praising him. They heard that. All of, all of nature hears the voice of the creator. Because the stamp of the creator is on everything. I'm sure these winds go, whoo. We didn't know he was in the boat. <laughs> Ooh, boy, calm down right now. And the other wind said, yeah, I'm getting peaceful. Ooh, I feel it coming on. And then the waves pushed up and said, oh, let's kiss that boat, okay? Let's just kiss it. Don't rock it no more. Don't rock it. Jesus is on the boat. There's no telling where he's going to send us. If I love it. When we pray for people with devils, they don't want to come out sometimes. And, and as a minister, you say, I'm going to send you to the abyss if you don't come out. They seem to hear that. And come out. They do. 
I just said something strange there or something. And there was a great calm. I, I see this as a beautiful thing that's happening. I don't have to tell you this morning, do I, that the storm is not coming to America. It's here. It's here. I just quickly wrote down some things. Russia, Iran, Syria, uh, North Korea. I love to when our president called him Rocket Man. He says the craziest things sometimes. I just fall out. It reminds me of my uncle, Uncle Virgil. He would just say the craziest stuff sometimes. I just don't know where it was coming from. He wouldn't have been president, though, I'm sure of that. <laughs> it's not coming. Violence in our schools. They tell me this morning that right across the river from us, uh, somebody was killed this morning in, uh, in a waffle shop. In a waffle shop. I just wonder if you, I'd pray over my grandchildren. I have their pictures right above my sink. I pray over them every day that I will see them come home. There's fear in America. We're talking about arming our teachers with guns. I'm not against that. I'm just thinking that's where we've come to. You know, when I was school, they got mad at you. They caught you chewing gum. Gum's a long way from guns. We changed the M to an N, added an S. And then they come out with these, I don't know, sometimes I go off on strange places, so you have to hang on to me, okay? My son gave me a, some gum the other day. It was actually a, some kind of round thing. I put it in my mouth. It nearly jerked my jaws off the side of my face. It was some kind of sour, sour, sour. Oh, I went, oh, man, what is that? He goes, oh, that'll wake you up at work. I go, it's waking me up right now. This world, the world. And here's what I came to tell all of you today. I felt like I got a word from the Lord for you all, and I really do. Uh, where have you put Jesus in your life's boat? Have you let him go to sleep down in the bottom? Let me tell you, folks, what we need. We need Jesus on deck. We need him up on deck where the wind and the waves, we need them to see that it's Jesus that's rocking, that's in this boat that's rocking. America's rocking. We need people, not just preachers, we need people, everyday people, to pray. If my people, not if the world, but if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will they hear from heaven and I will heal their land. If my people, I come to you to say to you, saints, You've been good Christians. I know you are. You come to this church. You've paid your tithes. You go to Sunday school. You work in good community projects. That's all wonderful. I'm glad to hear that you do that. But where is Jesus in your life right now? Is he even on your boat? If he's not, you need to get Jesus in your boat. He'll start changing your life. And then wake him up. Don't have a sleepy Jesus in your life. When we pray, uh, I have a big family. On Sunday, we, we try to come. I'm now pretty well the head of the family. I was just looking at the other day, and I thought, there's nobody older than me now. I guess I'm next. <laughs> and I, when we get there, I don't care if it's Applebee's. We've been going there lately, but we all raise our hands. When we get our food, we get ready to pray. Well, it just scares everybody in the hole. But I guess we're going to have to start doing this. <laughs> 
I don't know. <laughs> but we raise our hands. <laughs> and then somebody starts praying. We say, we thank you, Lord, for this great day and this great food. And we just ask God's blessing. Put our hands down, go on and eat. We don't care who sees us. And then it's invariably, there will be somebody that comes over and they'll say, that really moved me when your family raised your hands and prayed like that. I'm not recommending you all go out and raise your hands today and scare Duncan to death. But I'm just saying that put Jesus in your everyday life. Pray when you're there. I ask everywhere I go, I, said, I say to the people I'm checking out or to the waitress, I said, what's the top of your prayer list? What are you really praying for? I don't say, are you a Christian? Do you, like, are you, do you know you're going to hell? Oh, that'll get you great service. <laughs> Just ask them, what's the top of your list that you're praying for? And they'll say, well, my mom's sick, or I, my kids, I've got some problems, or my husband and I, we aren't doing too good. And I say, well, let's just pray about that. And even if you don't want to pray, I'll pray for you, okay? And I do. And I, I have this young man at Penny's. He startled me. I went up there, and he's in the men's department. And I said, what's at the top of your prayer list, son? And he said that people like you don't come up here and ask me that question. <laughs> I thought that was a great retort. You know, he came right back at me. And I said, well, your prayer's not working real good now, is it? <laughs> That kind of stunned him, you know. And so every time I go up there, now it's been about five or six times, he sees me coming and I see him go, oh boy. <laughs> he just starts walking away and go, hey, hey. I said, I've come to see you. I want to see how you're doing. I can't find any certain socks or something. Of course, I know where they are. And I, and I get him, I get to talking to him, you know, and he goes, well, you're, you're always working on me. He goes, the last time he said, well, where in the world is your church then? I'm going to come and see you. I said, don't let the lightning strike. Let me write that down. Because I had a card, you know, about our church. I keep those on pocket. And uh, so I gave him that card. And I said, here it is. Now, if you don't come here, I'll be back here next month. And I'll be looking for you again. He goes, oh, dear God. <laughs> he goes, so if I come once, I'm okay. I said, I won't bring it up anymore because I will have done my duty. I've sowed my seed into your life and introduced you to Jesus. Now, that's what you do with that is immaterial to me. And he goes, well, don't you think that you've done that already? I don't need to come to church. I said, you're trying to get out of it. You're not going to do it. So I'm, I'm hanging with him. But if we just do things like that, uh, I don't recommend you being me because I can be pretty abrasive sometimes. I know that. Uh, but you've got to find some way to share Jesus uh, with people around you. That's getting Jesus to the top of the boat. That's getting Jesus up where we can handle him and people can see him and start talking about him again and not in a negative way. It's like the Pharaoh's physi uh, physicians that when Moses was there, hey, Rick did a great job on this. There's another Rick here. Praise the Lord. He's a big guy. Have you met him? Do you all know him? He made this for Pastor Mike and it's beautiful. It's got the Ten Commandments on these tree right here and Moses right here and God on the top and... Uh, this is how um, most of the tribes in Africa, uh, they didn't write things down. They, they would uh, carve it on their staff. And then they would put the staffs in the corner and every priest or every head king uh, would add his staff. And so they could go back and read all the history of that. And the movie Roots, I think, explores that uh, somewhat. So when um, Moses throws his staff down he, that God gave him, he's not just throwing a stick. He's throwing his life down. And the Lord gave him this staff. 
That's in uh, chapter 4. Uh, do we have that? This, I think they have that back there. Let's, let's see. Yeah. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken to my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Okay, go ahead a little further. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thy hand? He said, A rod. Okay, a little more. He said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it because it looked so violent. The staff that Moses will pour out over the Red Sea was once a snake. Wow. The staff that Moses will point to the, the Nile River and it turns to blood was once a snake. He picks it up by the tail and it becomes a rod in that next verse. Down in uh, chapter 7, he confronts Pharaoh and Pharaoh brings out his physicians and magicians, I should say, and he casts it on the ground. Oh, that's four. Let's go to seven now. And Pharaoh also called the wise men, the sorcerers, and the magicians of Egypt, and they also did like manner with their enchantments. Yeah, wow, a little more. And they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. If you have what you've got in your hand from God, you've got your grip on it. For it to really work, you've got to let go of it. You can't boss God. But if you will let the power that you have in your hand, greater is he that is within you than he that is in this world. And whatever the world throws at you, it can be swallowed up by God's program. He always has a provision for the problem. He always does. And so when Moses that throws that down, it swallows those other slimy, venomous. <laughs> Anybody else love snakes? I've got a guy in our snake that has some big, long, white python. Oh, I just don't even be near it. He brings mice to it. And you know the mice are really happy when they come there and they see that big snake. And they go, oh, let's get in there and be swallowed up. I'm sure that's what happens. I'm not happy about them either, so that's okay with either one of them. Turn it out and let God, let God do what he needs to do in your life. Your grip is destroying your power. Get it out of your hands. Let God do it. You say, well, I've been praying about that for a long time. Well, it's okay, but when you, here's what my grandmother and older saints told me, and it works. You go down that altar, Rick, and you pray it through, and then you walk away. And you believe God to do what he will do. And he will. He'll do it. I was um, getting ready to go to church on a Wednesday night, and my wife went to pick up some things. The kids were just leaving, and all of a sudden she said, oh, I've got a terrible pain. Hit me in the side. I've pulled a muscle, I think. And she sat there a little while, and I could tell she was really hurting. And I said, well, I'll call somebody at church, have them fill in for me. No, you go on to church. I'll call you. And about that time my son came in, he goes, I'll, I'll take care of mom. And he goes, so you go on to church, Dad. I'm only there an hour anyway. So I, I took off thinking she just pulled her side. And then later my son calls me at church, says, get to the hospital. Mom's had, having a massive heart attack. And so I ran out there, and that night they... Uh, examined her blood and there's some enzymes that show up in your blood when you have a heart attack and then they called Nancy and uh, myself in and they said your, 
your wife, Mr. Van Hoos, has three major arteries, the Widowmaker and all, they're just totally blocked. I said, well, they've been working on our kidneys. Everybody's been telling us their heart's okay. Her heart, heart is not as okay. So they rushed us to uh, Vanderbilt Hospital, and they looked at her, and they said she could die if she gets up and walks to the restroom. There's not a lot we can do about it, but we've got a doctor coming in from California. He does like a rotor rooter thing through the, it's been new, and it's been successful. And he came in and visited us after three days, and he said, um, I think I can do it, but her heart is so frail. He said, if you look at your wrist right here and you pinch it, that's the way your heart's going to look inside. And he goes, you remember your wife is really frail. I don't think I can save her. I don't think an open heart surgery, she'll die. She won't make it. And then the question is, why did God heal my, my wife's eyes? Healed her kidneys. It was absolutely hilarious. Is that okay to tell that part? I don't know. And, and they did dialysis that morning, and they said, well, she'll be on dialysis the rest of her life. We, we'd come to accept that. And that afternoon, she looked at me, and she goes, i got to take a leak really bad. And she's up in the hospital bed. And I said, well, I'll get the nurse. The nurse came down and said, well, that's draining out, and that's dialysis. We took care of all that. She doesn't have any urine. That she, so I'll get an ultrasound. And she does the ultrasound. She goes, oh, my goodness, her kidneys are full of urine. So she goes and gets a doctor. They pull that uh, tube out, and she starts wetting everywhere. She went on her shoes. She went on her bed, and she's dying of laughing. And she's saying, the Lord has healed me. Look at this. I'm peeing everywhere. She said, <laughs> and then the nurses started laughing, and then the doctor comes up, and he goes, my goodness, this is a major miracle. He goes, this is where you come when your kidneys die. He goes, i got to get some other doctors to see this. So then he comes back with what they call the kidney college. And they come back, there's like five or six of them, at least four I saw them somewhere in the hall. And they said, we've never seen this happen. This doesn't happen to dialysis patients. Maybe it'll just work for a few hours and we'll be back. Well, that was a week. And she was totally healed of that. And now we're down there in the hospital. She's dying. And uh, I went in and I told her, I said, well, hon, doesn't look good. You only have two choices. I said, I'll put you in the car right now and I'll take you home. Or you go to this emergency specialized surgery and they're saying you probably won't live through it. And she goes, and if I go home, what? I die in front of my kids. I'm walking around and I just, I said, I don't know if in front of your kids, but you're not going to live long because you have no blood going through your heart. And she goes, well, I do not want my grandchildren because they're there every day because I uh, bought the ground next to us had them build their house there. And I don't want them to see me dead on the floor. I don't want that. Let's go for the surgery. And so I kissed her and we had already talked about all these things before we got down there and, and uh, away she went. And they came back and the doctor said, well, she's alive, but I don't think she'll, uh, in recovery, I don't think she'll make it, Rick. I really don't. And about an hour later, they said, she's crashing right now. You need to get back there. So I went back there, and I saw blood pressure just plummeting. What do you do when I had told her, he heals your eyes, he heals your kidneys. I'm sure he's going to take care of you with your heart. I was wrong. I found out later through T.D. Jakes. gave me a great word. He said, your wife had finished her course 
She had just retired from Glad Adoption Agency. She had placed 464 children in, in adoptive homes. That was her lifelong desire. She had finished that. And, and uh, Dr. Jake said to me, well, listen, uh, there's more for you to do, and you haven't been able to do that because your wife's been sick for the last three and a half years, and you've been sick yourself. Now's the time for you to get back on your feet and do what God called you to do and finish your course. That's what your wife would want you to do. Boy, I got up out of that chair. I, it took me a while because I bought her that chair where you have the little button and it raises you up. So when people call me, I just say, hang on, I got to get raised up. You know, <laughs> I'm moving that button. And I, I got up and I, I remembered my dad talking to us boys so many times. He'd say, get up out of that bed. Square your shoulders. Get that glint in your eye and that go through in your heart. And then I don't know what word this is. And get that spizzerinkum in your feet and get out there and win the world today. Boy, I stood there in that house and I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to change and I'm going to make my wife's death something good because she's gone on to be with the Lord. And that's why I'm here today to keep preaching this gospel till I drop and I'll go to heaven someday. And I'll be happy about it. Thank you. You pray for me. You pray for me. I have good days, bad days, I've, but mostly the good days now. But when my wife and I would come in carrying the groceries from the garage, I had this, we had this tradition. And when we'd open the door and come in, I'd, I'd put my hands on her little face and I'd say, so cute, blonde, blue eyes. I say, I love you. This is your house. This is your home. Anything you do here is yours. I'm proud to help you. I said it every time. If I went and got hostess cakes, we said. And someday I believe when I step into heaven's door, there'll be a little hands come up and touch my face. It'll be the prettiest girl I ever saw. People say, how'd you meet your wife? I met her at a Halloween party, so that's why I always have Halloween parties at our church. <laughs> People get upset, but I, I, I don't care. That's where I met my wife. I say, want to quit the church over a ghost? It's all right with me. I'd rather you have the Holy Ghost, but that's okay. <laughs> I went to church. I was just driving. I was 17, and uh, my date got sick and wasn't there. So I'm looking around. And Larry Johnson came up and he said, you seen that little blonde over there, Nancy Dorsey? She's a sharp looking kid. I think I'm going to ask her out this weekend. And I looked at her and I thought, wow, why wait till the weekend? <laughs> I shot right over there and I said, how are you going home? She goes, well, my dad's going to take me. And I knew him. And I said, well, I went over to Walter and I said, would you mind if I take your daughter home tonight? He said, no, that'd be fine. And he'd have her home by midnight for sure. And I said, I'll go over at 11. I said, that's okay. I have to be home myself by 12, and it's a little bit of a drive. So I take her out to the cemetery, Mesker Park Cemetery. And I said, have you ever been in a cemetery on Halloween with a full moon? And that little girl, she goes, no, I've never been there. I said, come on, let's climb over that fence and get in that cemetery and just walk around. So I had an ulterior motive. How many know that? <laughs> and so I got her out there, and there's this big old oak tree. And I got her behind that oak tree, and I 
gave her a kiss the best I could come up with. <laughs> and I kissed her, she kissed me back, and I kissed her for 51 years after that. Loved every one of them. Every one of them. I married my best friend, and I highly uh, say that to all the youth that are here today. Make sure you get a friend that you can marry and be with. And I buried her, and she didn't want to be buried in the ground, an entombment, which is a mausoleum, just right down the road. And where she's buried looks right up at that tree. And someday I'll be buried there. Let me have them read this scripture, and we'll close. And I'll make the altar calls. First Corinthians. Do you have that? Yeah, great. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption... And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Woo! It's not just stopped. O oh, death, where is thy sting? O oh, grave, where is thy victory? It passes when you have Jesus on your boat. On your boat. A doctor came in after my wife passed away. When she was dying, her uh, uh, blood pressure was going down. It was 23 over 17. Uh, and I, I started singing to her. She loved my singing. And I said, go rest high. Oh, wow. Go rest high on the mountain. For your work on earth is done. You know that song? Ben Scale. Go to heaven just a shouting. See the Father and the Son. And while I was singing that, she flatlined. And I, I don't think my music killed her, by the way. <laughs> but I think it ushered her in uh, to a greater place. Let me just close by saying to all of you today, I come to look you right in the eyes. Stir up Jesus in your life. Storm is here. And then when it comes to your door or to your school or to a waffle shop, you better have him on the boat because you're going to need him. And when he says, peace be still, they'll look at you and say, "Woo, we tackled the wrong person here. We don't want to go there. Let's move on down the street. I actually have the feeling that when I get up in the morning and I start leaving my neighborhood, that the devil says, oh boy, Rick's up. Because I feel like when I go down the street, evil stops. Because it senses the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the name of Jesus. And you overcome the enemy by the word of your testimony and by the blood of Jesus Christ. Wave your hand and say, praise the Lord for that. I'd like to make an altar call today, and, and uh, I, I think Pastor Mike would like to make it. I, um, I, I wrote something down about that, and I, I wanted to say it to you because I felt like God gave it to me for you. I don't know what I do with it. It's on here somewhere. Oh, here it is. Maybe you're old, and you were baptized as a child, and your parents did that for you. That was great. 
But you need to do it again while you're an adult. You need to do that again. Maybe you received the salvation of Jesus Christ when you were a little kid, but you haven't done anything about it. You've let Jesus pay this morning. Start that gift up that is with you. Don't walk out of here today without having Jesus in your life. He makes a difference. A doctor walked in when he heard us singing. My wife was gone. He apologized that I did everything I could do. My knowledge to save your wife. I want you to know that. I said, oh, I know it. And he said, but the nurses and I wanted to tell you, and they were there by him. They said, we watch, we watch a lot of people die up here in this, this department because this is where you're sent when you're going to die. And we know it. He said, they usually curse. They scream. Sometimes they get in a fight with each other. He said, it's amazing. We have to have security up here. He said, but today for the first time, first time, he said, I saw a real Christian die, didn't I? I said, yes, you did. And we are real Christians. And we believe in heaven. And so we're happy for her, but we're sad for us. But we're happy for her. And he said, well, give me a hug. How often is it? Usually I'm used to doctors saying, write me a check. <laughs> That's just a joke. They love it when I tell that at our doctors. <laughs> and they holler out, amen. <laughs> but he hugged me and he said, you're a good man, aren't you? I said, I am. I have faults. But you're all going to pray for me, right? And I'm going to do good. Would you just stand with me right now? It's 12.03 for those that are thinking lunch. I think we could still get out here in a minute and beat the Baptist. What do you think? Might be able to do it. Mike, you want me to make this altar call? Would you like to do it? I'd say fine. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.